blow in her face and she'll follow you anywhere. You are destroying the Constitution of the United States. May God have mercy on your souls. Good day. Yes. We could be saved if we just elected the right white man to power. That's creepy, but that's in a different category of creepy. Zitzu, zitzu, zitzu. Gary Geigers. Of course he introduced zoning laws. Okay. You know what? Don't. Yeah. The less I have to do with that game, the better. Here's my favorite part of the defense. Clodius was probably fucking his sister. Jughead, not Jarhead. I have nothing against Marines. I want to make okay. that very clear. I'd be really interested to find out what fucking truth that woman was trying to get at. And like with most episodes, I can bring it back to wrestling. Oh. Right, well, he's got other people who work for him who also do things, and, and they can okay. mutate okay. Uh, okay. human size into smaller worlds, after all. Fuck you. I still don't give a shit about getting fake property in a fantasy game. of time where we connect nerdery to the real world my name is ed blaylock i'm a world history and english teacher here in northern california and um just yesterday um i started the day in kind of a crummy mood um i was actually about to shank somebody at a pete's uh because they grabbed my drink uh when it came up um and and like on the on the on the outward on outwardly my response was um excuse me that's mine inwardly the response was something more akin to motherfucker you better put that you know like i was i was in in one of those modes where i was just waiting for somebody to pick a fight and then i got to school <laughs> and uh my my flex class um finished building lightsabers and went out onto the quad and spent uh i got to spend 15 minutes uh trying and i think maybe a little bit succeeding uh, to teach them something about form uh, while they proceeded to just wail on each other with pool noodles <laughs> that had been turned with duct tape into lightsabers. <laughs> and, and as a way to improve one's mood uh, on a, on a shitty morning, I cannot recommend very many things more highly than that. It was, it was pretty goddamn cool. That's nice. And uh and and the, the really best part of it was um after after the flex class was over during the passing period I had kids coming up to me going, "What was that? What what were they doing?" Well, that was my lightsaber combat class for flex. Can I sign up next time? Like, <laughs> all right. Okay, cool. This this is this is going well. Okay. All the all, right. all the young padawans must learn lightsaber combat at some point. Yes. Right. So yeah, so that's that's what I've had going on. Uh, how about you? Who are you? What have you had going on? Well, I'm Damien Harmony. I'm a Latin and U.S. history teacher up here in Northern California. Uh, and uh, just tonight, matter of fact, um, my son has a bad habit of 
not drying off his hair when he gets out of the shower because he likes to slick it down. Um, and he okay. likes the way that that looks. And that's fine. I'm not right. a kid. Cool. Uh, but I messed up his hair on purpose so that it would dry a little more because it's freaking cold out. Um, and then I, I brushed it just, you know, kind of finger brushed it to the side. And I was like, oh, my God, you look handsome. Uh, you, you look a couple years older already, you know, because he's recently turned 13. And his response was, and you look like an idiot. <laughs> Which was so cute. Uh, dang. Right. <laughs> so that's, uh, yeah, so, it was awesome. <laughs> so were you able to find the aloe vera? Uh, no. <laughs> I just let it burn. Oh, okay. Uh I, I like that in 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 my home, uh, it is pretty safe to just like lightly roast your father. You know, it just as to, as it should be. You know, yeah. Like yeah. the the dad who gets angry about respect all the time is never fun. No, and not one you should respect. <laughs> really, it's yeah, that that's yeah. fear, not respect, and and definitely yeah. look into the difference. Um, you call so, me yeah. sir till you graduate from high school, right? <laughs> <laughs> so and as folks can probably hear we have a a third party because you remember last week um or last episode rather we we talked about punk rock um and we we brought in an expert since i know nothing and ed knows about that much as well so yeah uh sir could you please introduce yourselves and tell us about your week uh yeah i i am jason jason b the voice actor comedian and apparently punk rock aficionado um I'm I'm moving to Bisbee, Arizona on Friday. That's what's Ooh. going on with me. Oh. Me and the fam is packing up and moving to a little weirdo city in the middle of the desert. Nice. Um yeah. it, is that what county is that in? I don't know. Okay. It's it's like 10 minutes north of the border of north of the Mexican border. Oh wow. Like okay. by Agua Prieta, I think. Okay. Um in Nogales and um, but anyway, it's a cool little area. Um, Doug Stanhope's my neighbor. Oh, okay. I didn't so, realize he had land out. Yeah, it's, by it's the a desert. weird. It's a weird little like art weirdo town. I don't know how else to describe it. Like the the whole place is just full of street art and quirky houses. And it was one of the first like um, engineered communities in the um, in like the Western United States. Mm-hmm. It's for a mining, oh, cool. a little mining town, but there's no mining there now. So it's just a, like a, a little, like I said, a hippie artist town kind of, I guess. How long okay, has it cool. been, how long has it been uh, like a hippie artist kind of community? I think since like the seventies. Okay. Attract. I just, I just looked it up on Google. Looks pretty cute. Man. Looks neat. Yeah. It's pretty cool. It's a little kitschy. Yeah. Place. Okay. Cool. Neat. Like I would imagine there's Cupid dolls and sand. Probably, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. So, cool. Well, there's, when last... Oh, go on. There's there's definitely a wall somewhere that's just, like, completely plastered with stucco and pool beads or some shit, or aquarium <laughs> beads, you know? Just, yeah. Sure. Uh, like, odd wind chimes made of hubcaps yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I made a wall out of a billion beer bottles, and now people stop when they're driving through town. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> hey, you know what? Whatever you got to do for the hustle. Like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's the upside to the uh, dystopian future that we're all going to live in is you're going to have some cool art, Um, which yeah, you yeah. Said well, I went by what? I went by Slab City on my birthday weekend. And that was very I mean, that's a, this the dystopia in itself. What is that place? 
Um, Slab City is an abandoned city in Southern California. They poured slabs, foundations for houses, and then abandoned the project. Oh. It's like something like 15 square miles, but people just fucking, there's RV communities out there. Mm-hmm. People name their own streets, and it's been out there so long, the post office delivers there now. Um, They have like bars and shops, but it's all under the table. Like you can walk into a you can walk into a bar there and be like, "How much for a beer?" And they'll look at you and be like, "I don't know what you got." Like, wow, it's it's that kind of. Well, I went to a bar there with Lisa on my birthday, and uh, uh-huh. there were more dogs than people at the bar. <laughs> nice, <laughs> nice. <laughs> and they were all stray. They were just dogs fucking running around this place. Wow, uh, cool. That's uh, you you gotta is is it? Do you think it's the weather that draws the communities? I mean, you don't have to pay for heat this way, or it's. I don't know. It's a mixed community too, because some of the p- people out there, you'll see, like you know, they set up a bar and they run a little business and they make mm-hmm. art, and then you'll drive another block down the road and you'll see some guy talking to the burned out veneer in a, a meth lab that exploded in an RV, you know, just mumbling to himself. <laughs> so there's like the whole spectrum of desert weirdos out there. Sure. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. I, I I'm just I'm trying to filter that through my my love of like cold weather um and i'm I'm thinking i i haven't seen many communities that do I that in the cold weather that's a that's a complete that's a complete filter i think that's that's a stopper that's, yeah <laughs> yeah that's a plug that's yeah. not <laughs> there yeah. you go yeah, yeah i think if you showed them a picture of snow out there they'd look they'd scratch their head yeah that's crazy uh well okay so when last we spoke um you had left us off in the 90s and and had left us with a very disturbing image that uh the sex pistols were in fact a boy band yep. um but also that i mean we were kind of in the early to mid 90s which i found fascinating as a, as a place to leave off because so many times our podcast does the same thing um the mid 90s you were talking about street punk and raves uh we we touched on that um, which I it it pinged in me in between episodes that the '90s were this odd time of the economy had already picked up, but it's almost like the people hadn't caught up to it, and certain business hadn't caught up to it either. For instance, uh, baseball nearly went extinct in the in the mid '90s. Uh, there was mm-hmm. a strike which damn near killed it, but also it it, it was on the wane. And then uh, professional wrestling, uh, you had two companies that almost went bankrupt. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you had, um, what else am I leaving out? Oh, the deep space nine episodes about the mm. Gabriel bell riots, which we've done a watch along, yeah. uh, predicting based on the homelessness in Santa Monica in the nineties at this same time, you also had, um, what else do we have? Uh, Marvel and DC almost go bankrupt, mm. uh, as well in the mid nineties, which is interesting because by then the economy had picked back up and yet these places are almost like ready to fold as a trailing indicator. It was very, yeah. very strange. Ar- well, the 90, yeah. arguably the economic peak of like American life was the nineties. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But there's, there's always hysteresis in, in, you know, there's, there's the sine wave of how's the stock market doing? What does employment look like? What does, mm-hmm. you know, all this stuff look like as, as that wave rises, there are like, like you said, Damien, there's all these, you know, other trailing, factors Mm -hmm. or trailing indicators i think it's also worth noting that a big part of what happened in the 90s with the economic upturn uh yes lots of people were uh getting re-employed there was you know unemployment dropped but a lot of the jobs that were being created 
were you know in the bottom income rung it was a lot of low-level service Mm -hmm. sector kind of employment it wasn't you know well everybody's gone back to working you know a 40 hour plus overtime union pay job factory which had been the basis of the previous waves of prosperity that the u.s had had experienced in the wake of world war ii you know, yeah. it was it was a new kind of economic upturn that left a whole bunch of people behind. Yeah, it was a very corporatist um, kind of. It, it, again, like you said, it was it was minimal jobbing um, instead of uh, well paying jobs. And because I'm just thinking about John Major is is taking over in Britain in about 1990, and I think he holds sway until 97. And you had the Bush Clinton switch, and so Clinton, who is the ultimate centrist leftist uh corporate democrat as it were and he is constricting the social safety net so that more people fall off of it um while that's going in and he even you know his his slogan was it's the it's the economy stupid um but he Mm -hmm. absolutely like he was constricting welfare uh you know he called it reform but i mean he's freezing a lot of people out and so now they have to go get low-paying jobs Mm -hmm. um that don't feed their families uh, and they don't qualify anymore. So there's and don't and don't provide benefits. Yeah, the thing the thing like a phrase, it's the economy, stupid. Is you can move the comma anywhere you want. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. And, and you're still correct. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's all happening, and it, it reminds me of something that you said uh, last episode, uh, Jason, which was, uh, and I wrote it down because it was really good. In a perfect world, punk rock doesn't exist. And so yeah, there's this yeah. resurgence that happens in the 90s because it is it is nowhere near a perfect world. Yeah, yeah. So there's that economic upturn, but I think it's very, uh, very marginal. Not everyone experienced the effects of that, and the people who didn't were really left behind. It was it was almost like a trailing of the Reaganomics. The same thing that people were pissed about in the 80s, mm-hmm. they were still pissed about in the 90s. It was just a different flavor. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's where we left off. Uh, why don't you pick us back up? Um, you were talking about uh, street punk and, uh, and and stuff like that. So how does this story continue? So yeah, um, in the early '90s, you had like uh, there was the street punk came up. What really made punk blow up in the '90s and have a revival was the pop punk. Mm-hmm. Um, pop really pop culture bought into punk rock. Um, it just it just became marketable because you had a couple of bands. Pop punk had always been around. There had always been bands playing melodic punk mm-hmm. music that you sing to, but that still was too far off from what record executives thought they could sell. But at some point in 1994, mm-hmm. uh, record labels got together and four bands dropped albums that year. Uh, no FX dropped an album. The Offspring right. dropped their album. Mm-hmm. Green Day dropped an album. And Blink-182 dropped an album. Right. And... All those dropping at once were extremely successful, and that basically created the explosion of pop punk um, that we know today. There's a million bands. They just had, what's that, their Remember Us or When We Were Young tour or whatever. Sure. Um, (laughs) So uh, that kind of created a revival for all the other subgenres of punk. So then after that, you see in the mid to late 90s, street punk kind of comes back, and even like anarcho-punk comes back. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's um, crust punk had a really big revival after that. Train hopping got really popular again, um, kind of like right around when they had the G8 in Seattle. I want to say 
Mm-hmm. So 98, and 97. 98, like right around I'm that. I say it was 98, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, if you watch the footage of those protests, you've never seen so many spiked and studded punks in black throwing bricks at cops. Right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was like black block before black block was black block. Yeah, kind of, yeah. yeah. But um, that became that movement became huge again, um, especially train hopping. Um, sure. Got really big in the mid to late 90s again. So you see a lot of punk rockers hopping trains and just you know, throwing their lives to the wind. Um, huh. Unfortunately, with that comes a lot of like, you know, doing heroin and smoking crack in abandoned buildings and shit. Because um, that's just, that's in on that path. Those things right. are all there. Those are flowers mm-hmm. on that path to be picked. Um, <laughs> so we're seeing, so what you're saying, I mean, we're seeing something like what we saw with country music in the 30s. Definitely, I mean, yeah. You got your your ho boys. Yeah. yeah. And uh yeah, the same thing. There's these kids, they they're disenfranchised. They the only job they can get is flipping a burger. They don't want to do that. They they got no hopes for college because they hated school. Right. So they say, yeah, they say, you know, fuck it, I'll go jump on a train. I'll go somewhere else. I'll go somewhere else. Yeah, I'll travel. Yeah. And then, you know, there's enough of those people at the time between squad houses and trains that these people knew each other. There's a thing called a crew change. You can get from the train yard, which tells you the times mm-hmm. that the trains come and go and the crews change. And that's where you could find a time to run through the train yard, hop into an empty car before oh, wow. it pulls away and takes you to the next town. A crew change is worth something in like the crust punk community with these train hoppers. If you if you meet a guy with a crew change, he'll get drinks all night from the other guys who want it, who want that oh. information from him. Wow. That's valuable data because you have to you have to you have to steal them. Or you have to find a trial. You have to know a rail worker who will give you a copy of the schedules. Oh wow! So I'm I'm thinking just to my own experience because I was a teenager at this time, and uh, it was Walnut Creek, so they didn't have punks. They had kids dressed up as cowboys, though. It was weird. Okay. Um, but <laughs> but uh, there is a weird town. It is. It is. It's it's if Orange County moved north. Um, but um, the the thing I was going to bring up is is twofold. One, um, in the early '90s boys to men were immensely popular Uh, i remember yeah Mm -hmm. and (laughs) that was really menacing it was their their respectability that ultimately was what made them worrisome to the parents this is right at the time where cds start to become more affordable too um and so there were a lot of posters of boys to men up in kids rooms and then you get to 94 and you get the the Swedish synth music coming over, you know, the pop music coming over, Ace of Bass uh, and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Rock set. Yep. Uh, although they'd been there earlier. They'd been around for a while. Yeah. Right? But uh, you get the, the Swedish uh, invasion, as it were. And then you also get, which has some West Indies roots, by the way. Um, and then uh, you also get the pop punk, like you said, the big four in, in 94. And so now you've got posters of white people that can be up in kids' rooms again, and it's less threatening to the parents. This is something I noticed in in Walnut Creek, um, and I wonder how much pop punk was a safer edginess uh, for for white uh, suburban oh, parents. Oh, so so much so. Yeah, that so. was pop punk. Was you know they took the the gritty rebellion and danger of punk, which was originally a. Uh, almost an adult youth culture you know yeah Mm -hmm. and turned it into something that your that your 13 year old can do instead of your 17 year old you're worried about your 17 year old doing this now you're you're glad your 13 year olds at the blink 182 show because you know they're there 
Yeah, well, or, you're yeah. glad you're glad they're at a Blink One Eighty Two show and not a um, oh damn it, what was Ice T's uh, body, body body count body yeah. count? Yeah, you're yeah, glad yeah. you're glad he's not going to see Body Count. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. I went to actually. Yeah, yeah, the punks were big fans of the Body Count. That, oh, that cop. That, oh yeah, Cop Killer. Oh, that was a, yeah. that was that won the community. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what was what was one of his other ones? I, there buddy goes mine, the neighborhood. The album. There goes the neighborhood. Uh, that was the big oh, KKK bitch. KKK bitch yep. is a great song. Mm-hmm. It's about Matt, oh, having a white girl suck your dick and how much her dad hates it because he's in the clan. What? <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love Ice T. Yeah. <laughs> so okay, so they're they're uh, benefiting from the the lower price point of CDs um, and the uh, more uh, acceptability of. Uh, the 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 front men wearing white t-shirts and not much else um, as opposed to boys to men kind of being sexy or uh, another bad creation growing up or you know there, there's several uh, Belle Biv DeVoe and yeah. stuff Did like that. Did you mention how, how confusing it must have been for like the father of a 14 year old white boy to see sexy black men in his son's bedroom and he doesn't know right. what he might be a little racist he might be a little homophobic neither of these are issues for his son he just likes this fucking musical group right this, da- this dad is just blown away with confusion <laughs> that doesn't make he doesn't even need to have like, right. <laughs> the yeah. dad goes and yeah. gets his Farrah Fawcett uh poster yeah. out and it's like here son you need this yeah okay. and this is all this is all because dad doesn't still isn't quite aware that that poster made him feel funny he yeah. doesn't realize that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so <laughs> So, oh, and the other thing I was going to point out was, um, and and uh, help me on this one. Um, so I again, Walnut Creek would go up to Ashland, Oregon, um, for for Shakespeare Festival and stuff like that because they did theater, shockingly enough. Um, and uh, I noticed the same gathering of of homeless kids were up there. Like I'd seen them in the park a few months earlier in Walnut Creek. And now they're up in the park in Lithia Park in Ashland, Oregon. It's the, literally the same people. I went and hung out with them one one afternoon in between plays because like, oh, shit, I just saw you guys. How are you doing? How'd you get up here? And there was a lot of hitching going on, but also trains and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but there there seemed to be a loop um, that would, people would get on to. Oh, yeah. To... There's circuits that people take. And yeah. once you learn once you learn the route, like I said, yeah, there's people who know the routes and then you get a group together and you and all your buddies know how to get this way and that way. And I said, what that information is valuable. If you have good info on, on train routes, you can actually, you know, you can get drinks or drugs or, or food or shell, what have you, what you need um, to get, to get through your, your little life. (laughs) And so punk traveled that way. Um, Huh? And so punk traveled that way as well. Like, Oh, Oh, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, especially like, um, a lot of times a lot of the punk travel thing started too in like the 80s because they developed circuits with each other you know they'd find people where they could put on shows all across the country mm-hmm. and these guys would just connect with each other they'd be like you know joey shithead up in canada can get you a gig in calgary and then you go down to seattle and you know mikey piss pants or you know all punk guys in the 80s had terrible names and uh <laughs> and they they just you know it was all about just networking with friends basically and all these guys had new hundreds of other punks and bands and you know, they just helped each other out making it. That was, you know, they avoided corporate culture pretty well mm-hmm. for the most part, which is harder to do now. Sure. Sure. 
uh, punk needs to reset and go back to playing at houses and VFWs and shit like the old days to get the get the flavor back. Okay, so okay, so that's so that's mid to late nineties. We're seeing we're seeing that go on. You're seeing kind of a resurgence in train hopping and crust mm-hmm. punk, um, and also pop punk. Okay. Um, both kind of resurged at the same time. Um, like I said, all the genres of punk we've talked about too kind of existed at the same time, mm-hmm. but like like kind of trailing waves like we talked about in different arcs and and just di- and different dips for each different subgenre of punk kind of you sure. know they each one kind of had its heyday okay so that gets us into i want to say the late 90s so yeah uh, again the the democrats and the the labor party that isn't is now in charge on both sides of the pond um although you have the contract with america is another big theme that we end up hitting on a lot so you have the veneer of liberality, but quite honestly, everything's shifting rightward. Um, is punk getting is punk disengaging from politics at this point? Because we've seen a lot of other stuff become apolitical at this stage. There's definitely there definitely becomes sort of a rift mm-hmm. that that's also always been there, but definitely be, it becomes more pronounced at that time. It becomes more of like uh, it at that time in the late '90s. It's deciding what punks are friends with other punks. You know, if if you listen to Green Day, you can go fuck yourself. You know that kind of thing. Gotcha. Um, you know, like oh, that guy's in a that guy's in a Blink One Eighty Two shirt. Let's kick his ass. Um, wow. You know, people okay. started treating each other like that. Um, um, I would say more like the, I would guess you would call your hardcore street punks and stuff would have had more animosity toward the pop punk culture. Sure. Um, because you know they felt slighted by it, and and a lot of those people are dumbasses. To be honest, like. Even I consider myself like a part of the anarcho-punk movement, and I consider us to be a large a lar- movement, largely of junky dipshits, but <laughs> that with that that are that admire a lot of really smart people who play music. Okay. <laughs> that's a that's an interesting coalition. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, pro- I'll probably I'll probably a lot of people will have heard that I said that and probably be like, "That's fuck that guy." What, did he really just say that? But um in their heart of hearts they know it's kind of true <laughs> well uh any any hate mail feel free to send to uh, yeah. harmony comedy at gmail.com there you go so <laughs> yep proud member of the punk community and fuck most of us <laughs> which, which seems say, kind of emblematic like yeah <laughs> like a, a self-awareness you don't see at the grand old opry for instance no you know, you know, sometimes if you see a guy with a green mohawk at a gas station, like laugh in the clerk's face and throw a dollar's worth of penny in her salad, you know, uh, that she's just trying to eat behind the counter because, mm-hmm. you know, she won't sell him a beer. They're like, fuck these guys. Who are these? I did that once. That's a story about me. Oh, but uh, <laughs> that's how comedians write good jokes about people they don't like. Did you know that? That's like the number one. Oh, yeah. yeah. Comedians I... like jokes about like this motherfucker. I hate it's them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> okay so literary writers and comics i guess have that in common i, I threw my change in that lady's salad i was like 19 at the time just for, to my credit right <laughs> so all because she right, wouldn't so, accept my change oh yeah well, it's legal tender <laughs> i yeah. i can i can understand uh raging against the 7-eleven machine yeah, uh, well, you know, when you're an alcoholic and you want a forty ounce of beer, it's yeah, one hundred and six. 
160 pennies is a lot of time to gather and count, <laughs> especially when your fingers are wobbly. <laughs> the DTs at 19. Um, all right. So so we're in the, the late 90s now. And uh, you, like you said, punk, it, it's almost punk is uh, self-cannibalizing on some levels or there. Oh for, oh, for sure. OK, for sure. Uh, it's, it's kind of always been doing that. And what's There's... happening in the the white supremacy end of punk? Is that trailing off because those people are getting arrested more often? Or the '90s was a bad time to be a, a neo-Nazi around the punk movement. Okay, um, I'll give the the punk movement credit there. Both the like the pop punk kids and like the hardcore punk kids. If you could get them to hang out for one reason, it because because a guy with a swastika tattoo on his neck showed up at the show, <laughs> then all of a sudden everyone's friends except that guy. Right. Okay. But yeah, definitely the 90s was a time of cleansing, not not so much of the corporate entity, but of the fascist entity from the punk movement for sure. Um, doesn't sound like which I don't time. think I don't think it's had the grip it had ever since then either. I think that after the, like Nazis got beat out of the punk movement in the 90s, they've been a periphery ever since. You know, it's gotcha. if you see a guy with a swastika at a punk show, he was trying to hide it and slipped. You know, his turtleneck moved. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, they're, question they're, they're about just, that. They're both. They're, they're. Sorry, I I didn't want to. I didn't want to step. Oh, that's why I was saying their their boldness is gone. So. Yeah. You know, a question about that. So, if they if if that element left the punk movement, is that does does anybody here know? Because it occurs to me, is that when like we start seeing the death metal and and other other kind of you know metal genres start having their problems absolutely with white supremacists absolutely and the white supremacist problem in metal kind of came around after the turn of the century okay um, it kind of got bigger and more prominent and then they're kind of in the process of doing their own cleansing in this yeah. much the same way but um yeah for sure i think that's kind of how white supremacists work they find cultures of disenfranchised youth Give them mm -hmm. something to glom on to, feel like they have a family or friends or a group they're a part of. And, and then eventually, them. if eventually, a lot of the times those groups, though, it's against their the core notion of that group. So it doesn't work out too good for those Nazis. And mm -hmm. I think I think I think metal also has a very similar anti-authority vein mm -hmm. as punk. I think it might be a little more rooted in darkness and like being a weirdo. But, you know, <laughs> also. Yeah. You know, the interesting thing with the metal thing, though, is that it 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 had more mainstream appeal uh, earlier on. Um, yeah. And so it could yeah. it, it could kind of rest on that. And I'm thinking the the ones who got beaten out of the punk movement, uh, a lot of them ended up going into corrections and police work. Um, mm -hmm. And metal is a pretty popular genre of music amongst people who carry batons. Um, yeah. So it's, it, it's aggression. You know, it's yeah. Oh yeah, no. If you want, either... if you want to listen to something that'll make you want to run through a brick wall, I have several albums I can recommend, and all of them are involve you know very crunchy bassline guitar. I I, be I believe like uh, music that's like very aggressive like that. There's two ways it can be enjoyed. There's in and out, and you can use it to to like pile your aggression in, or you can use it to release. It really depends on. I think it's just your mindset when you enjoy that. So what do you, you mean? Never meet like. In? Like you can you can stew you can use it to stew and brood you know oh, make okay. your anger and your your problems worse you know you can you sit around and listen to Megadeth and get madder if you want 
Okay. Or you could sit around to it and like, you know, play air drums to it and walk out of your room feeling better after an hour. Yeah. Right. I think, I think it's, I think you can approach like uh, aggressive music two different ways. Cause sure. you, you never meet a guy and like you, the guys you meet that are in like brutal thrash metal and death metal bands. They're always like, Hey, I'm Mikey. Uh, could I please have a glass of water before the next song? Or, you know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, Dave Matthews is like, where's the bitches? It's so weird. It's a weird world. <laughs> it's like, also these aren't really all the M&Ms right. I wanted. It's just, yeah. yeah. Right. Where's my Reese's monkey skeleton? Yeah. So. Yeah. You mean like some guy named Corpse Grinder from a Norwegian metal band in the in the green room. The club owner's like, do you need anything? He's like, no, a glass of water, please. Yeah. Let me know when I go up. Like, <laughs> yeah. How's the oh, family? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> How are you doing? Oh wow! That's nice to see you again. How's Mrs. Death Grinder? How is she? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, there's so... some 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 remarkably well-adjusted people. Yeah. yeah well, because they're getting it out. Yeah. You know, they're 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 working it out. Um, I that think... makes a lot of sense. Dude, in Norway, black metal is considered like a national pastime. Like if you're a 16 year old and you tell your parents you want to wear skin tight leather pants and play guitar, they're like, "Good for you, son." It's like oh. telling your parents you want to play soccer in America. They're like, "Oh, cool. Let's yeah, go. Yeah. We'll watch you. Yeah. We'll watch you." <laughs> like, that's <laughs> literally how they treat. Bla that's literally how they treat black metal in Norway. People are like, "Oh, you got a black metal band? Let's we'll get all the parents together. We'll watch you." Oh, that's wild. <laughs> yeah, Norway actually is the number two consumer of tacos worldwide. Hmm. Yeah, was it after... Norway or Denmark? I it's it was Norway. Danes. Norway. Okay. Yeah. It's oh yeah, Nor yeah. The Norway. Because Norway has Pepsi and tacos. Yeah. Now is that is that like, is that just what they think that it is on a tortilla, or is it like fucking tacos? It's tacos. Yeah, it's fucking tacos. Oh, it's, like it's, it's fucking yeah. tacos. Yeah. Interesting. It's because I've had I've had Mexican food in Europe, and it's always mm -hmm. a mistake. Sure. <laughs> Even Italian food sometimes <laughs> in Europe is a mistake, which is weird. Yeah. I think the closer you get in proximity to Italy when you travel internationally, the worse the Italian food gets until you're in Italy. Yeah, it's like this weird corona effect that happens. Yeah. 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 So Bullseye Okay, yeah. I had I had a, I had I got pizza in Germany. It was a, a pita with mm -hmm. ketchup and a, sal a piece of like a big piece of salami sitting on it. That was it. <laughs> in Germany, I had really good um curry seasoned sausage. Hmm. Oh yeah, it was well, a that's, weird that's, combo. That's a but... weird, yeah. It's it's a weird thing. But having yeah. having volunteered at a bunch of Oktoberfests, uh, yeah. yeah, no, it's that is that is, yeah, it's weird. But it's the thing. Euro Europeans can do curry. You know, though they spent so much time trying to enslave and fuck with those people, they know how to <laughs> right. make their food. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, the the joke that's making its way lately is, how are you going to conquer the whole world for spices and put none of it in your cooking? Yeah. Which... <laughs> Goddamn English. Yep. You know what we All should right. do with this steak? We've traveled the world and learned everything. I'm going to boil it. I'm going to boil it. <laughs> <laughs> you going to add any of that charred pepper? No, no. Too valuable. Um, okay, so we're in the late 90s, early 2000s now. Uh, they've beaten the the fascists out. Um, pop is ascendant. Pop punk is ascendant um, as punk is kind of turning on itself. Um, I mean, we're still like 20 years from now, so... What was happening a generation ago? What was happening pre and post 9-11, I guess, is really kind of where my mind goes. It's interesting, you know. Or pre and post Creed. I don't know if that would be a better marker. 
9-11 was an interesting time. A lot of great punk albums came out around then. I bet. Um, <laughs> I bet there um, were a lot that were delayed too. Yeah. Uh yeah. One there's one that called uh I think the album's called World Trade is a Death Machine. It was originally going to be called Shoot the Kids at School, but the label wouldn't let them do that. Mm. Um yeah but uh the cover is the two towers collapsing but they're gas pumps like they're photoshop so there's two gas hoses going up into the sides of them and it's a beautiful it's a whole amazing photo collage of this record um but yeah so there were some amazing political punk records that came out right around mm 9-11 a lot of good art that came out of that too yeah it was pretty iconic i mean it's a flashbulb moment you know yeah Mm -hmm. um so yeah right around then um, you've got like a lot of the resurgence of crust punk and the anarcho punk and pop punk simultaneously. Mm-hmm. Um, they kind of fuel each other through mutual dislike of each other and of Nazis together, uh, <laughs> um, which is a lot. I think that one of the good things that's happened since then, I think in the last 20 years, um, which is probably more of a nutshell explanation, mm-hmm. um, punk's kind of been steady um, with up and down waves. Um survived kind of the death throw of the split of pop music because that just kind of fully separated and like i think even the average joe can look at bands like blink 182 or green day and know that that's kind of that's something different than what is considered punk rock yeah i I think average joe knows that that's what that pop punk isn't punk rock and that's why it's called pop punk yeah i I think i was shocked to hear blink 182 was considered punk in any way but I think that division is so obvious now to everyone that the animosity is less because of that. Cause no one's walking okay. up to some dude in a crass shirt and being like, Oh, you like blink one eighty two? Like, gotcha. you know, that just doesn't happen. And, yeah. and and these days there's chances that that guy's that guy's forty and he might be like, Yeah, I like both bands. So <laughs> <laughs> So do you think there's less identity tied to it? I think s- somewhat, yes. And I think it depends on the person individually, you know. True. I think punk is less of an a general identity that youth chooses now because there's so much other newer cool shit. Okay. Um, but I think if you still look around too, it it kind of is cool. You go to like anywhere you can you see teenage punks, which is interesting because you don't walk around too often and see like a teenage kid like a, with an afro and a Jimi Hendrix shirt. Or like right. a flower power mm. thing and a headband, but you still see kids with you know red spiky hair and leather jackets, and I think there's something there's something that's almost unkillable about that culture, and it's sure. hard to say why. Okay, well, do you think it has something to do with the fact that no matter what generation you're talking about, when you're 16, 17, you're always going to have to put up with um feeling like your your parents are pushing you around and society wants you to fit into a box and like you just don't fucking want yeah. to do it for sure i just uh it's interesting that um i feel like there's not a similar like i imagine something else would pop up mm, okay you know like a new name yeah. for something maybe even just a new name for the same fucking thing so that old sure. people could be like oh that's punk you're calling that flip-flop now ah whatever you know but <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's like the old heads with rap versus hip-hop yeah you know and it's oh what yeah, are you listening the, the, to drake for why don't you listen to nwa you know that kind of yeah thing. but yeah. in punk the old heads are are highly respected Right. You know, any any punk in a subhuman shirt of any age is, you know, it's like that guy's cool. The subhumans are amazing. 
You know, okay. they they came out in 1978, and uh, I I still go to their shows, and there's still kids, you know, 13 to 15, 16 year old kids there, rocking out, partying, having a good time, and and they also are not blown away by the fact that I'm there, okay. which is cool. So the generational gap in punk isn't as obvious in other like cultures of music either. Uh, old old punks and young punks, it shows. It's just we're all just glad we're there. <laughs> Is is that in part due to the fact that, or due to the possibility? I don't know that this is a fact. Uh, due to um, punk has so many different subgenres, but there was not really. Well, I guess I'm asking: was there an actual evolution of the art, or does it just split into subgenres and kind of hold steady? Whereas in hip hop and Evolving, rap, you went some through punk, various. Yeah. Sometimes punk evolves, mm -hmm. but punk is also. Um, oddly enough with its sound somewhat traditionalist to its own fault mm. like uh you know um so a lot of people like a certain kind of punk rock and then they get in their mind that that's what punk rock is you okay. know I, I i've i hold the opinion that punk rock is music made by punks regardless of what it sounds like mm -hmm. um because i mean devo is a punk band their first record you know is arguably a punk record but it's very weird. Sure. You know, um, and then you've got bands that sound like metal and you've got punk bands that sound like pop music. So I think this, the best way to say it, in my opinion, is that it's music made by punks. And okay. that it, I think lyrical content is somewhat as certainly important. But I think to the, the actual sound of punk rock is is ill-defined and purposefully. And, and that's the way it should be. Okay. Because when punk started in the late 70s, it was just a catch basin for th these bands can't get fucking gigs anywhere else and no one will play them. Right. Um, yeah. So that, that's what that you were a punk band. If you, if everyone thought you sucked, but you were actually good at what you did, but no one wanted to buy it. It was, it was just garbage rock and roll. Um, that was just, yeah. Punk was just a catch basin term for shitty rock and roll music. Is, is the, again, I kind of come back to, it seems less of an identity and now more of a an interest um and and it doesn't mean that people don't dress up to go out to shows and and, and stuff like that yeah. but like you don't see groups of like 30 or 40 punks at a thing you see like four or five you know yeah in some um, in some places you do because they're okay. like just like uh there are places where like scenes pop up you know you'll have a cool sure. punk scene in a city for 10 years everybody's moving to philly or whatever you know okay um but you do see that uh when i i lived in philly for a while and one time we had a house party there, I want to say 2007, mm -hmm. and there were about 200 punks pouring out of my row house into the street. And when the police showed up, they pulled up on the corner, looked out their car, and drove away. <laughs> that was the only stop they made at the party. Oh, wow. <laughs> Not worth the trouble. That we were, we were literally, there were so many of us that we were like, we could just drink in the street. Like right. what are the, like there were there were enough of us there that we we're like what are they gonna fucking do right like, critical and, mass yeah oh. it was a critical mass we we're just like we'll just like it came to the point where it's like you can't tell these people not to take their beer outside like right, it's, <laughs> right. where there's no room to drink like <laughs> so there's there are places and and events that happen like that mm -hmm. in Europe it's still like that um, I went to a punk festival in Europe just a couple years ago. And on the train into the festival, into that town in Germany, mm -hmm. as you get closer, the train fills with more and more weirdos and less and less average people. <laughs> but there's a cop on every train, you know, just wanders around. 
Sure. In the back train car of every train on the way to this festival, filled with punks, drinking, smoking. When the cops open the door to look in the back car, cans start getting, I've never seen anything like it, cans started getting thrown. Like, just to see everyone took their empty can or half full can, threw it at this cop, and he would literally be like, okay, okay, and just back out of the car. And I looked at this one German kid I was talking to who spoke English. We met on the train ride. I was like, really? And he was like, yeah, they don't have guns here. What are they going to do? And he was like, in in Germany, if you outnumber the cops, they have to go get more cops. That's just how it works. Right. Right. (laughs) They they leave. They're like, shit, we got to go get more. They can't just shoot at you. Right. They're not dressed (laughs) for a tactical And, you know, it's one cop on the... He he doesn't have a gun, so even if he pulls out his stick, these ten punks are going to be like, "Oh no, no, this isn't happening." <laughs> so, in, in Europe, there actually are there's still punk gangs in Europe that have like, you know, they have power in numbers. Wow, mostly because the police can't shoot at them. But right. yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> when um at this festival, there was a guy who got hurt, mm-hmm. and when the uh, when the p- cops and paramedics rolled up. They made a hole for the uh, the paramedics and ambulances and fire trucks and then like like closed it up and just stood there and were like cop cars aren't coming in here. You ain't doing nothing. You ain't helping nobody. It was it was it was kind of beautiful. Yeah. That's a city. They action. were happy. They were like, you paramed the paramedics, the paramedics got this guy, helped him up, got him straightened out. You know, he was just knocked on the head and he was okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, everyone was like, You guys want a beer? You know, whatever. Tell the cops to fuck off on your way out. We love you guys. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's wild. It reminds me of when I, I went to that Body Count concert, and it was at the Oakland Coliseum, uh, and they it, they opened for uh, Metallica and Guns yeah. N' Roses. It was that tour. And Ice-T, like, basically kind of talked about, because remember the trouble he was getting in for having Cop Killer. And yeah. so he's talking about it, and he's like, yeah, some of the Oakland PD was like, you know, maybe we won't even come to your event and, and do security. And he's, he's like, so... They're they're not interested in keeping you safe because of music that I perform. He's like, how pussy is that? And then he's like, so I want you all to lift up your fingers. Uh, and he pointed to where, you know, the police headquarters were and we all flipped them off. And he's like, but I do see some cops here. And uh, they came here, uh, you know, and it probably wasn't a popular choice. So, you know, and he holds up a peace sign to all them. He's like, you know, you guys, you're down. We're good with you. And like everybody was cool with the cops then. Uh, then we all started tearing up power as an entertainer. Yeah, you know, yeah. as it turns out, so it's wild. Um, all right, so you know, the other things happening in the two thousands. Uh, so you got the post nine eleven thing. You said there's a lot more uh, political uh, display, but was there more political activity, or was there? I mean, you you yourself de- define yourself as an anarcho punk. Um, was there an uptick in that community? Okay. Uh, yeah, for sure. Um. Definitely. There was, um, you say like there were bands like, uh, like anti-flag that, that mm-hmm. got, uh, popular then that, which were kind of towed the line between, they had kind of a poppy sound, but they were extremely political, mm-hmm. um, and involved in a lot of activism. Like you can see if you went to a, like a protest in Pittsburgh, you would see the guys in that band there. Sure. Um, so there was quite a bit of that. Um, there was a lot of blending, um, post 9-11 i would say in the 2010s mm-hmm. of poppy punk and sort of political ideology like kind of coalesce back together but in a more legitimate way so it wasn't as corporate funded but it still kind of had that radio friendly sound oh, so okay. you had these friends playing kind of like folky radio friendly sounding punk rock mm-hmm. but but not holding back on the, the the fucks and the cunts 
right. and and the abrasive messaging um which was cool that it's it, a lot of it was called folk punk which okay. ranges from kind of bands that like train hoppers that play bluegrass sure all the way to like there's groups like uh, against me that's just kind of like uh acoustic you know rock and roll um you know if, if hootie and the blowfish was mad about some shit or something sure uh, and if they heard me say that i would be assassinated by that band but um <laughs> <laughs> i don't think we have that kind of reach so don't worry yeah, I, um, yeah don't worry about it that's your punks won't, e punks won't even listen to this no. um, <laughs> that's how punk rock we are that's, that's something to be said for yeah i'm in a band we just stand in the woods naked because we don't want to use the power from the man that's right we don't wear we, clothes we don't even play music that's the real alternative we don't i don't want to influence someone to not think for themselves so right <laughs> make up make up your own lyrics to the noise i didn't make <laughs> that's right we're silent but deadly uh, so okay so um i'm also noticing post 9-11 we have an ongoing war for roughly 20 years uh and punk yeah. came about at a time that a war had just ended and urban blight was huge uh so what was the ongoing war doing to because you you said everything's like kind of coming together and coalescing um it, it sounds almost similar to we don't like each other but fuck that guy with the swastika and so we don't we don't really do anything but you know what fuck this war is that what's going on or definitely some of that and also over the 20 years of ongoing war it kind of had i guess the school shooting effect mm. where political punk eventually just became like oh great it's another fucking uh, yeah so the police are bad it. yeah we hate war we hate war and uh at that point you start seeing uh a resurgence of some of the old touring bands that were a little more offensive and belligerent uh-huh um which kind of got nipped in the bud also like you see like the mentors which are uh self-proclaimed as rape rock um, oh jesus christ and their their entire existence was based on being offensive okay which um up until 10 years ago you could kind of do sure but society has moved beyond that's just we're not doing that now right um so the mentors are canceled now um but they there was sort of a resurgence of of just dumb fun offensive punk mm -hmm. shortly after the i guess we're still sort of in the war all the time era but uh punk punk rock about war got wore out <laughs> i can see um, that yeah and uh I mean, nobody wanted to pay attention to it because, you know, that's over there. Um, Aaron Sorkin will write something about it from time to time, and and by and large, yeah, yeah. I will give uh, I will give uh, punk rock credit for this too. Got very big into the police brutality against minorities and speaking out about that long before it was a thing that was well broadcasted. Okay. Um, I could name you a million punk songs from the late '90s early the early 2010s that were you know punk band sin about cops shooting black people um and how fucked up it is even just you know white suburban punk bands right um were aware of this and it's just you know at the time the adults were all like oh you're just upset that doesn't happen that much it'd be on the news if right. it was a problem right you know? and uh you know the kids in the street though they're seeing this shit sometimes you know yeah. or you know they're they're in the street these poor white kids actually have fucking black friends, uh, you know, who tell them what's going on in their communities or they go over there. have actually been to a black kid's house. Right. When they believe be, them, <laughs> you would be amazed how often if you just walked up to a random white person and said, has there ever been a black person in your house? Nine, 98 percent 
right. I, I would th- I would imagine would say actually no or would lie yeah. to you. <laughs> yeah, there's a thing that went around for teachers <laughs> for a while was name the first name what grade you were in when you had your first black teacher. And an oh, overwhelming man. majority of us, it was in college. And it was still only one. Never. I've never yeah. been asked that thought about it. Never. Wow. Never in my life. I had a black principal at a school once. And that was it. Seventh grade. Seventh grade for you. Yeah. Algebra. Um, I can't, it's, okay. it's, it's says, algebra. It says something about our society that I would never even notice that until you asked me that question. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We are the default. Yeah. Like, and that's how that's how you get to when people are like, well, I'm not racist. It's like, yeah, but you're you're immersed in it anyway, even if you're not. Right. You, you, you live here. <laughs> you live Which in racists. So you might not notice it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and it's it's the what do we say, Ed? It's the water. That it's the a pattern fishes. on the wall. Well, it's, yeah. the, it's the water we're swimming in. It's the pattern on the wallpaper. Yeah. It's like. Um, yeah. Which yeah. is funny because it's the ultimate uh, whoopsie pass, too. It's like, oh, fuck, I didn't realize. But instead, mm-hmm. people like so identify with the system that they defend it. Um, yeah, well, it's... yeah, they're they're invested in the system. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. It, it protects your vital interests. So if you gotta be a little racist, eh? <laughs> <laughs> I Look want my kids. Way. I want my kids to be happy. I want them to <laughs> go to the good school. So we don't do segregation. We just what makes it what makes it the good school again? Yeah. Well, we have oh, this yeah. Madden program. <laughs> see, and yeah. And it's not everybody has a chance to apply. So this, it's, you know, Ouroboros is struck again. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So, uh, the ongoing war just kind of wears people out, which is, I think, yeah, uh, a feature, not a bug. Um, so yeah. what about the streaming? Um, because also in the 2000s, you have a shift towards streaming, uh, or, or not streaming. I'm sorry. I will get bit to that torrent. question. Napster, um, yeah, BitTorrenting, and then iTunes. Napster, that when that all came out, I, Napster, mm-hmm. I guess, is the OG, and that's the one mm-hmm. I used. Um, I got yeah. I got LimeWire and the others when Napster failed, but they were no, they paled in comparison. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, it's not a commercial. Um, uh, I I got Napster, and that sort of thing became a boon for sharing that music because a lot of punk didn't have a, a major outlet. And so just like underground metal or anything else, it was shared by people passing around tapes and records and sharing with each other. So CD burning mm-hmm. and um, odd and bit torrents completely changed the game. All of a sudden you're finding millions of different bands. Like the world has opened up and now you, all these anarcho punk kids, you can hear a band from Oregon. I would have never thought I heard living in Florida. I would have never heard of these guys in my whole life. And now I'm sure you know, we're all friends. And that kind of helped rebuild some of that network mm-hmm. um, in that era. Like uh, touring in a punk band is actually, if it weren't for gas, is was becoming a thing again. Mm. Um, like, you know, people are, the, the connections are are mostly rebuilt. The Occupy movement had a lot to do with that too. Just brought um, everybody o- back to the urban centers? or Yeah, and like a lot of, uh, a lot of punks don't like other punks, you know? It's just, we. Right. Oh, I think we find each... A lot of us are abrasive, annoying people for different reasons. And we found this culture as a place where we could go where someone's not telling us we're annoying or drunk or loud or ADD or whatever the fuck it is that made Mm -hmm. people generally not want to be around us. So when you put a bunch of us together, sometimes it doesn't make it any better (laughs) or less annoying for the people who are annoyed by those tendencies. 
Uh, it's just a clusterfuck. I forgot. What was the question? <laughs> uh, how uh, the Napster movement, uh, and you were talking about how it, it, it rebuilt networks and that people were touring. Yeah, yeah. People, and, and I would say the, um, Occupy, too. Uh-huh. Um, all those protests brought people, like disenfranchised street kids, all of a sudden heard about this big protest. There's a, there's a camp out of people who don't like the police over here. Mm-hmm. And so all of a sudden, I, I made a bunch of friends during Occupy. And like internationally, like uh, mm-hmm. I had, there was an anarchist movement um, that kind of resurged and, and punk and anarchism kind of, you can't separate them from each other really in American right. philosophy. Right. Um, so it, it just kind of, that helped build things again too. I guess around 2009 was when yeah, the I was Occupy say, movement was. 07 was when you start to see the, the Occupy movement. And then by 09. 09 was like the fizzle out. Yeah. Kinda. And then the Tea Party uh went went rightward instead of how they started like there's i've always had yeah. like great sympathy for like the original tea partiers because they were a hair's breadth different from occupy they just wore nicer clothes they um, were but... they they were occupied they were the 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 conservative occupy they were right. rich they were yeah. um, occupy with money right they, but they, they were like their houses yeah well <laughs> and then the Koch brothers just astroturfed the shit out of it and oh, then yeah. used it for white nationalism but i remember uh during the occupy movement when we were first setting up the camp in charlotte where i participated we had representatives from the tea party come down and they wanted they wanted to meet with us and talk with us about collaborating on some direct actions and different stuff and we were blown away yeah because we were like you're with the tea and these guys were in there you know their khaki cargo shorts and their socks and sandals and their polos and the full deal you know they looked like they just came out of revenge of the nerds and they were going to beat up the nerds right and uh yeah they were just like we want to talk about collaborating on some direct action and we were like what do you what do you mean by direct action you don't look like direct action guys like (laughs) but yeah they were they were they were kind of down they went to city hall and made a ruckus with us and and then yeah. s- shortly after they quit showing up because yeah they got co-opted and swung right and yep so money money does that yeah. so so you've got the Napster thing and that's reuniting people and then you have YouTube which I assume is a great way to start seeing uh, concerts oh, I waited for YouTube for years because you'd be like you could find obscure music on YouTube right and there'd be some band whose album you can't find unless you could find the damn tape in a record store in some city. And I'd be I look on YouTube every every month. Is this album on YouTube yet? No, nope, gotcha. no one's uploaded it yet because it's obscure. You gotta find some guy who can get it from tape to digital. Right. But now all that shit's out there. Sure. Um, it's amazing. You know, I was waiting as a teenager for these albums to be on the internet, and I knew eventually they would be. So and, you and, were a and, teenager during this time? Uh, yeah, I was. I'm forty. Well, I'm th- I just turned thirty nine. Okay. I say I'm forty because it's a round number and it's easy to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. I just turned thirty nine. Um, so yeah, I was 15 to, you know, I was 15 to eight, 15 to 17 when during Napster's like prime. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like Lars Ulrich had them shut down when I was like 17, 18 years old. He threw a hissy fit and yeah, I was speaking of right wing politics and metal. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. I need a new boat. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, God, because I remember people started like doing like, uh, web, web comic cartoons Oh, dude, oh, there were so many funny fucking oh yeah the, the anime bad you know that's yeah, the one Hatfield. from newgrounds.com oh yeah. my god yeah yeah we got the metallica cock ring our blood sweat and tears for you that video is so fucking funny <laughs> and they had <laughs> them on like uh there was one where they had them on uh who wants to be a millionaire 
It's like Regis, yeah. we could totally fucking kick your ass. <laughs> it's just yeah. like people could have let him be dickheads, but then they like sued a twelve year old's family into the ground or something, and it was like fuck you, Metallica. Yeah, like. Yeah. <laughs> so okay, so uh, you got the YouTube. What about? MySpace, like social media starts to kick in. I, I can only imagine that makes the networking easier and at the same time allows people to kind of stovepipe their punkness. Oh, yeah. Everybody's band had a MySpace page. And of mm -hmm. course, your personal MySpace page isn't isn't really you. That's the, your your ideal you that you you show everyone. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, everyone, everyone who was into punk rock had a super punk rock MySpace page. OK. A, um. But yeah, it was a great way for bands because you could put a couple tunes on your page. Sure, you know, you put picture, band pictures. You could, you know, hey, we got we need tour dates. You know, and so MySpace is a cool networking tool. I almost forgot about MySpace. It was crazy, you know. Yeah, so did a lot of my people. Top, my top <laughs> eight. Yeah, yeah, well, that's right. Top. I remember getting an email from a friend. Oh, I guess I'm not in your top eight anymore. I'm like, well, you tried to rip me off. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Like, I, I quit adjusting my top eight after like a certain period of time. I was like, I'm sick of people. People notice this. I don't notice when I'm in someone. Like, Fuck this. Right. Yeah. <laughs> if I you're in my top eight now, you're in it forever. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. And is that changing uh, punk or is it just kind of continuing on the momentum? I think it's just it's continuing happening. on. I think punk has had a steady mod medium momentum you know mm -hmm. just like i guess kind of just like on heavy metal or anything that's underground but hasn't gone away mm -hmm. um a lot of the old bands like the legendary bands are touring again um which is cool people who are like just big deals in the late 70s and 80s that are that aren't dead which is few and far between from that culture and sure if you're you know they, they say uh, uh punk retirement is 40 if you make it past 40 you're dead or you're not punk anymore <laughs> you got one year jason yeah that's so. fine i'll be dead um yeah. oh, no, <laughs> no I, I, I think i'll be fine yeah um pardon me while that's i just, go that, find my phylactery that's just something people say <laughs> yeah. um but like i said there's bands that i see there and they still rip to the, my favorite band is the subhumans that's mm -hmm. like an anarcho-punk band and they still tour and their singer 60 something and they rip like okay. you would you would guess you watch them play and you're like god damn they're not the band you watch tour and you're like they should quit Right. Um, so, so there's a lot. There's like, or there was a resurgence about like in the 2010s and after of a mm -hmm. lot of those bands touring again, not just doing like a reunion once a year to you know pay their rent or whatever. They're touring and playing and making enough money to actually do it again, which is interesting. Mm -hmm. um, it's a good sign for yeah for me for me as a fan and participant of the culture. <laughs> so what did what what impact if any did the Obama years? And then did also the Sarah Palin and Fox News in like overtaking of of that side of the media landscape. What what effect, if any, did they have on punk? I think it depends on what like the pers the particular political views of that group or person or group of people. OK, Because you'll have like uh, a lot of people were satiated by Obama, you mm -hmm. know, but if you go far left enough, you know, you get your guns back and you get mad again. Right. Um, so or so they say, you know, um, but um, so I think a lot of people saw beyond the liberal facade, so to speak, and saw a guy who was drone striking people and and yeah. and missing and missing targets and hitting some hospitals sometimes, mm -hmm. um, which doesn't happen. You hit hospitals on purpose, but um, <clears throat> we you don't it. it was five miles down the road. It's very weird. Yeah. 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 But uh, I think a lot of people who are more politically 
educating themselves mm-hmm. um and that side of the punk movement weren't pleased with obama i think in the general anarcho-punk movement the the general consensus is if you if you're a president you're a dickhead and if you want that job you you're already in the pocket of somebody who's helping you get there. Gotcha. Um, so I I think as far as anarcho-punk is concerned, president's bad. Right. Um, but as far as the general, I mean, there's like a liberal, a more liberal, moderate wing, I guess, of punk rock too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they just went as far as to not praise him. I think that's what you do when there's a, a moderate or left-leaning president and you're kind of in the liberal kind of wing of the punk movement is you just you just don't praise that person okay. um okay. you know like there's i don't think there's any punk songs about fucking bill clinton there's just not um <laughs> um but i'm sure there's uh some obscure crust punk songs or something where he's mentioned here or there you know but um mm-hmm. unless it's like an anarcho-punk band they're usually placated by by liberalness um but right. like anarcho-punk tends to lean is like the farthest left is the radical end of the punk rock political spectrum gotcha um um, and i I like to think i lie there even though i'm pushing 40 but (laughs) (laughs) well and so did uh because i'm just i'm kind of going through like the greatest hits of like the last 10 years um did the sarah palin and fox news movement uh reach any kind of like like did absolutely. did that spike any kind of reaction absolutely there was a big okay. scene in 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 um in pittsburgh uh there's a oh. group called os rotten um they also had another there's like these four guys that had a bunch of bands one's called behind enemy lines os rotten um uh caustic christ is one of the bands these guys had mm-hmm. but uh they were all very uh very political and they talked a lot about like that palin uh gw and that whole phase cheney of politics mm-hmm. uh yeah um the only dick i like is my second in command i remember that line from from an os <laughs> rotten song <laughs> nice nice <laughs> um okay and then that brings us to i guess the uh the the trump years um what is what has happened with yeah. punk since 2015 since he started running I think actually what's cool is punk has become actually started to evolve musically somewhat out mm-hmm. of its kind of self self set boundaries um, in a more acceptable way, mm. which is which I, I like. It's cool to see that the general community of punk accepting more stuff like there's a guy um, from the UK right now called Bob Villain. Um, it's just it's these two black guys. They both call themselves Bob Villain and their group is called Bob Villain mm-hmm. and they're super political. Um, and their sound is a cross between anarcho punk and like UK grime hip hop, like that okay, you've cool. heard British, you've heard like British grime rap. You know, it's it's yeah. that plus anarcho punk, and it's super political. They they just did their first US tour. They've been a band for like eight years, and I've been waiting for them to get popular enough. They finally came over, and I saw them. It was awesome. Oh, cool. Um, v- but yeah, Bob Villain is like yeah, they mix hip hop and punk, and it doesn't suck. People have tried to do that before, and it's been miserable. Um, because they just try too hard to be like legit rappers, yo. And it's right. just like, and it just doesn't work. And it's right. just like, dude, you're just some white punk kid who likes hip hop. Just be that. Sure. Like, <laughs> stay authentic. Not, yeah, not marketable. And then you've got to, yeah, just be authentic. Be yourself. If you like hip hop and make hip hop and like it, don't be yeah. someone. But anyway, Bob Villain's fantastic. Um, there's a band from Austra- Australia's having a punk revival right now. Um, it's amazing. There's a lot of big, like, there's a huge punk movement in Australia. Why um, is that? There's a band- I don't know. 
Huh. Uh, I don't know what's going on with their their world over there right now. Uh, there's usually a coincidence between the rise of radical music and society, but well, I think um, in the last in in the last few years they've they've also had a series of conservative prime ministers. Mm, mm. Yeah, that'll um, do it. And their and their conservatives are a lot like our conservatives. Uh only only they have venom sacks okay. uh behind the canines. Um <laughs> like like it's so Australia, much of, of the wildlife yeah. in Australia. Yeah. You know. So because I'm do you remember prior to COVID? Um, I guess that's its own question, but also do you remember prior to COVID um what the number one story in the news was? before we started shutting down yeah i don't I it's fucking wild isn't it i'd have to look it up yeah australia was burning to on the fire ground. Right. Yes. oh my god that's right and yeah. that was going to be the big fucking thing about 2020 uh yeah it was because, the wildfires in australia because they're on the bleeding edge of climate change and before before they had the huge wildfires, mm-hmm. um, I want to say it was earlier in 2019. Mm-hmm. They had massive dust storms. Yeah, that that turned Sydney bright orange rust red. Yeah, with these yeah. apocalyptic clouds of dust covering half yeah. the continent. Yeah, booming so apocalypse in- is a boon for punk rock music. It's yeah, yeah. I, so I, I I'm wondering <laughs> a if- great band called. Amel, Amel and the Sniffers just coming out of Australia. Very good band. Okay. Um, yeah, a uh, f- uh, female-fronted punk rock band. Very awesome. Uh, the Chats are another punk band coming out of Australia that's uh, big right now. That's actually those two are ones that have actually gotten big enough to come tour here. Okay. Um, I saw Bob Villain with Amel and the Sniffers. Um, so that was that was recently. It was a good cool. show. Yeah. So there's like, especially Australia. Um, as I think, as far as I know, like the biggest boon mm-hmm. in the world of punk right now. Um, and it's really cool. It always happens like that. You know, there's always somewhere that just has a cultural blossom. And right. I think uh, looming apocalypse or cultural collapse tends to do that for punk rock. That makes sense. Uh, um, okay. So, so then that, that brings us into the, again, the 2015 forward years. Um, you said it's more, more coming from Australia um yeah a lot right now for sure and sure. there's a lot more um just more more genre bending um okay. that's i think always been one of uh punk's faults is that it, it kind of sticks to its 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 formula like said, stayed to its tradition to its own detriment. yeah um and i think it's cool to see some some bands kind of breaking out of that and and not sucking at it right um because it's it's hard to add other stuff to punk rock without taking away from it in a way Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, um, I could, so yeah, that, I, could, I could see that that reticence. Yeah, it it's if you if you add too much something else, a polished element of something to something that's supposed to kind of be grimy and gritty, right. it takes away from you know you're supposed to be looking at the grime, not putting something <laughs> over it, smoothing it up. You know, that's punk. The grime is there to look at in the punk rock. So yeah, if you if you add hip hop to a well produced beat to it, that's too overdone. All of a sudden, it sounds like Dre is trying to do a punk rock song. It's not good, right? You know, so so <laughs> this guy Bob Villain, I highly recommend you check him out. You okay. can cut out all my commercials for him, but uh, <laughs> um, like we have the f- capability to edit like that. He's got yeah. a fantastic signal single called "We Live Here" that uh-huh. will that will give you chills. Okay, 
I, I'm I'm gonna write that one down. Um, okay, so what has COVID done to punk? Because punk is very anti-authoritarian, but at the same time, seems to have a layer of compassion to it that would make me scratch my head, genuinely gotta, wondering what they China, did. I yeah. have a friend who's an uh, an expat. He lives in China. He's been there for twelve years and playing in punk bands, mm-hmm. and that has done what the punk community over there is wild like sticking together so much because there's so much lockdown and monitoring right and uh just crazy shit like that so um there's a lot more sneakiness and undergroundness because the consequences are so much greater yeah it doesn't stop people it just increases the level of subversion right so the punk community in china is becoming ever more subversive right now mm-hmm. um, because of lockdowns and covid and and more oppressive government too um all that's kind of happening to the china's just culturally on fire right now mm-hmm. and trying to keep the rest of the world from noticing that their entire society is revolting against them right uh, <laughs> and they're just like mm-hmm. okay we'll lock you all in your fucking houses or shoot you how about that right yeah. now how We're do you like that your doors shut oh it's yeah. um yeah the virus it's the virus stay in your fucking house <laughs> <laughs> what about like in iran like they've had a number of mm. um surges has there been an iranian kind of punk scene i I don't know, but I bet if there is, it's even more subversive and, sure. and possible. I've known for a fact that there are secret punk movements places. Oh, really? Um, there's a there's in Poland. There was a while where it was illegal to speak out against the government, like not like till not that long ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a band called Post Regiment that was active as an anarcho punk band from Poland in that time. Oh, wow. And they, they traveled with fake passports, fake IDs, fake everything that said they were German. Right. Um, so they could tour and not get in trouble with the Polish government. Um, but yeah, you can find their records and so I don't know how they got away with it. They're free people to this day. Wow. But yeah, they're they're a, an anarcho punk band from pseudo fascist Poland. Sure. And they just they just fucking did it. So I think, yeah, some some places the more repressive it gets, just the sneakier and more subversive their punks are, which is to the detriment of those people oppressing them, because uh yeah. punks are hard to they, they'll they'll die some of these people before they'll before they'll do what you tell them that's <laughs> sure especially in repressive places where you know in some places punk isn't something your kids do you know mm-hmm. and in, in some places the guys with the red mohawks uh shoot at the police when they drive by you know yeah i was gonna say uh there's there's can... south in south africa punk is insane like really yeah like that's like way? like it's 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 a bit more of a violent gang culture. Okay. Like it has a lot of the same political leanings, but it's a lot more militant. I guess a militant would be a more accurate description than violent gang culture. I think. Sure. It's, it's more militant. So, and we completely skipped over pussy riot um, in Russia. Oh yeah. But... Pussy riot, same kind of repressive 2010s era. Mm-hmm. I don't even know. They, they're always in and out of re-education. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Their, their thing seems to be to get caught doing it like this. yeah i think being an example is like they're that's just what they do they're fearlessly yeah. that's they'll probably end it the, the members of that band will probably disappear one day right or or putin will mm. putin will die because i know the international community uh conspires to think that he's sick now right yeah, there's um the the other thing about Pussy Riot though is that they often will wear masks. So it it, it there's yeah. there is a, a a Eddie and the Cruisers kind of vibe to it. Like a lot a lot of Pussy Riot shows are you don't know it's a Pussy Riot show until Pussy Riot gets on stage. 
because gotcha. you can't you can't fly her for that in Russia. You can't, right? You know, yeah. it's just oh shit, pussy right. Played three songs and then ran into a van and drove away. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so back to the COVID thing. Um, you said in China it's it's very anti-authoritarian because of the lockdowns and because of how overreaching the government is. What yeah. about uh, here in the states where, like, very clearly there was a need to hole up um until we got vaccinations and we we biffed that as well because spring break um but uh then we biffed it again because memorial day weekend and again because july 4th and again because you know because a lot of biffs yeah yeah Yeah. um so what what did um and i guess you know it's not one monolithic movement obviously but what was the overall vibe amongst uh different punk communities was it uh balls to the wall who cares let's let's go out have fun or was it a let's take care of each other so that we can come back together for a show later or yes oh okay (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i i think there was equally as much uh strife and division in that community as the community at large gotcha um Mm. well that's interesting because then they're not reacting to they're reflecting now yeah, there was definitely uh from what I saw, I didn't go to punk shows during the pandemic, especially during like the the dark, the real dark people are dying a lot time. Right. I just didn't fuck around. Um, but there were secret shows, you mm-hmm. know, like a, a house show or you know, a show in an alley somewhere that people had. Right. And, but I remember seeing the hubbub on social media, people being like, Yo, fuck you if you went to the show at the Bibba's house, you're a dumbass. Mm-hmm. And so there was just as much of that as there was. Um with everybody else, I think. Yeah. Um, I don't think it was as politically motivated. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think there was as much as of the of the virus is fake. Or beer, beer, beer. I think it was more like, fuck you. I don't care. Mm. Uh, I, I think that was more that, you know, it wasn't some right wing, left wing or or, you know, the virus is fake or real issue. It was just more like I go to punk shows and I get drunk and you're not going to stop that. Gotcha. Um, which was just that was just some people's attitude. It was just you know, punk is my life. Uh, that's what I'm doing. Sure, sure. And so, um, I mean, it it became politicized because people got mad at each other. It created internal politics, but, um, yeah. But it, it was just his own stupid issue. It wasn't because punks were going on to Breitbart to find out their marching orders that day. Yeah, exactly. It was yeah. just because some people were worried about each other's health, and some people just fucking weren't. <laughs> gotcha. But everybody knew it was happening. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, well, that brings up up to the current day. Like, what is there an ability to project or to look at the history and see what could come next? Is there is there a theme that has woven its way through uh, and continues to hold strong? Or is it just kind of it's protean because people are protean and it's kind of the point of of doing punk is to do it your own way? I think there's I think that's the closest there is to it. I think there's a general, I don't know, malaise or mm-hmm. boredom around punk culture now because while there are good bands coming, there haven't been any greats, you know, in mm. a little while. You know, okay. in the I would say the last like great surgence of punk bands was in like but just before the twenty tens. You had mm-hmm. a lot of bands that like were like, you know, you'd have kids filling up, you know, uh venues and uh, you couldn't get a ticket somewhere or something, but uh, it's not been like that recently. But it really it matters on a with a band because the way it happens everywhere is you'll have a city that'll get you know a couple 
five punks guys will get together or five punk people will get together, form a band. Mm -hmm. They'll get kind of popular and the community will build around that. Now, all of a sudden, the high school kids, what what is there to do? Well, we can go to fuck asses show this weekend. Now, all of a sudden, all these kids in the community are getting into punk rock because this one good band. Right now. Now, this one good band gets a following of 100 people coming to their show every time. Now they can get bigger shows. They're touring they're if they're good they get big now there's the whole country knows about that's how like punk rock kind of grows that you just need a good band to be elevated by the scene because the 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 mainstream isn't going to do it Mm -hmm. so it takes kind of a community almost purposefully but also accidentally by it's it's luck and the community coming together and organic intentionalism yeah that's that's a great way to say it it's an organic intentionalism that makes a punk band popular and, and legendary if you will sure and that hasn't happened since the just before 2010 with bands like like the Os Rotten or Behind Enemy Lines that that group from Philadelphia Pittsburgh area, and then um, you had bands like Against Me, like folk punk kind of, very kind of anarchisty themed but kind of more friendly sounding to the mm-hmm. ear. Um, Against Me was a band that blew up and, and got huge out of Florida just based on like local support that that rose them up and and then they became they became something. Um, so there hasn't really been a band to do that in punk since since then. I think it's been, you know, a good 10 or more years since okay. some some force has popped up and, and breathed life into the sure that genre. I, I'm sure it will happen again. Um, but I think it's I think it's punk is going to evolve. I think that's the next thing that's going to happen. I think it's it's been a hard, long road. Mm-hmm. Um, our skulls are very thick and take a long time to change shape. <laughs> uh, <laughs> many, many years. Uh but I think it's bound to happen because you know you can only you can only rewrite Ramon's songs with new words for so many fucking years before people <laughs> are like, yeah, all right, yeah, EDG. What else you got? Right. <laughs> yeah. It's been forty years, guys. <laughs> cool. Why? Well, uh, I mean, unless you have a, an epilogue to that, I think that's a, a good place uh, to to leave it. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm surprised we got this much out of the the second the second run. Oh, I. I oh. can squeeze a turnip, man. Like, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, that's that's where it is now. It's in a very mediocre place. Neither neither seemingly dying or reviving, okay. just uh, just being alive. Yeah, I you know yeah. it, it unless it, you're in Australia, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> I was gonna say that that mirrors kind of my own evolution of thought in the last several years. Of like, you know, the the word mid has become an insult amongst the kids. Um, yeah. Oh, you know, you've been to so and so. Yeah, I, I saw their page. It's just mid, and and I heard kids basic, saying regular. That. It's regular. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. and I'm sitting there going like, I have been aiming at mediocrity my whole life. My, yeah, and I've Aspiring. finally gotten there. And it's, it's like so what people nice. call shit vanilla. It legitimately ticks my brain. I'm like, yeah. vanilla's fucking good. Yeah. Also, yeah. also, also, it's brown. Yeah, like, <laughs> but like it's everybody's second favorite choice. It's and like I'm if down for that, if you yeah. think vanilla is bland, I challenge you to stick a vanilla bean in your mouth and chew on it because you're gonna go, oh, oh, fuck, <laughs> that is a lot of flavor. Yeah, yeah. or just yeah. drink drink a teaspoon. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I I got uh, almost fired from my first cook job at Applebee's uh, because the vanilla extract went missing a lot, and uh, when they busted me. <laughs> I said I didn't know it had that much alcohol in it. I like vanilla coke a lot, and they 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 let it slide. 
Nicely done. Good job. <laughs> I, I downed like a quart of vanilla extract in like a week at Applebee's working there. I would just, I would get, I would drink it like it was liquor. I'd spray it in my Coke. Wow. <laughs> Probably not very good for my guts. No, but you know, it runs you through. It's good. It's a yeah. cleansing agent. You, you could huff yeah. my farts though. You'd be like, who's cooking breakfast? <laughs> so. Well, Ed, while you're laughing, uh, what have you gleaned? Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm walking away with a with a better understanding of uh, the ecosystem. I don't know if ecosystem or the sine wave, kind of a combination of the of the of the, the circle of life uh, around. Uh, I, I think obviously for for punk because that's what we've been talking about. But I think uh, part of what I'm what I've got going on in my own head is also thinking about other movements or other genres within art within within music. Is you know all kinds of stuff has this same kind of life cycle. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and I think it's I think it's really uh, something uh, what you said a minute ago about. Uh, you know, punk being in this place where it's it's just kind of you know steadily existing. I I think there is a a place where things become canonical within within culture and subcultures become yeah. self sustaining, mm-hmm. for lack of a better word. Mm-hmm. And and it's it's interesting to see the way that arc develops. Or the way that that arc arc moves, yeah. and I think punk is probably the most entertaining example. Um, yeah, but that's just, that's pretty much what I'm gleaning. Yeah, just behind that cultural era, you get like uh, Warhol and like Dadaism and stuff like that, right? And, and stuff like yeah. that that came out. It's the same kind of same kind of vibe, but a different way of expressing. You know, mm-hmm. everything's stupid, but I'm going to make art about how stupid art is. Like, right? Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> Gotcha. Yeah, I think that's that's my that's my takeaway. And being the literary science fiction nerd that I am, I'm also looking at it thinking, okay, so, you know, uh, William Gibson and uh, Walter John Williams and the cyberpunk movement, you know, taking the punk aspect, mm-hmm. you know, as as part of what they were trying to write in the 70s and into the 80s. Mm-hmm you know um and how they you know tried to envision the future and managed to overlook some really glaring shit um but yeah i mean that's that's a whole other episode but just yeah the 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 arc of that and the and the influence that it's had elsewhere is kind of where my my brain goes with it so yeah thank you thank you for sharing all this stuff because this is awesome yeah yeah i'm glad you enjoyed it uh most people just uh, wait for me to stop talking so they can leave when I talk about this shit. So, <laughs> yeah, we had you back. What we had you back? Yeah. <laughs> cool. Uh, the the thing that I I have uh, kind of gathered from all this is that um, I, I'm a big lover of patterns, but I have to zoom way out to see the patterns in punk. Um, partly because y'all are a bunch of ants, but you're not part of the same colony. Um. You know, you're you're roughly the same species, but it, there's there's like you know thirty two hundred yeah, is... different colonies, 
all being yeah. interactive with each other. And it's it's real interesting to like zoom out and see, you know, I, I've been trying to like, yeah. okay, so then this, then this. It's like charting the flight path of a house fly. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. So it, that's been fun, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, it's uh it's a strange and insular weird culture for sure. Yeah. Um, but also uh like you know, it's also very it, it is a harbinger. Um, it's kind of, you know, well, what are the punks doing? And we can kind of get a feel for what are they reacting to uh, on some levels. Uh, and that 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 continues to be of interest yeah. to me. They were right in the 80s. So if they're right now, um, that's terrifying. Yeah, it's not good. Because punk, punk music now is about how we'll all be dead soon. I hate to tell you. Okay. <laughs> that brings me back to Australia. It yeah. brings me back to the uh, they're on the bleeding edge of climate change. Yeah, so. Shit, I don't, I, oof, that might be the uh, subtitle for this one. Uh, if punk is right now, then, yeah. <laughs> then we're all, we're all screwed. Um, Cool. Well, um, yeah, again, thank you for this. Uh, is there anything you would recommend to people to read or to watch any media you would want them to intake? Who, me? Recommending yeah, media? Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Um, I just put out a punk uh, record that you could listen to. Ooh, yes. Yeah, plug it. Uh, it's on SoundCloud uh, slash human debris, human with a Y, because we're not all men. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so you'll find it there. Um, other media to take in. Oh, man. Watch a movie from Germany called What to Do in Case of Fire. It's a okay. little okay. little it's a little film about uh, punk rockers who squat when East and West uh, Germany are still split. It's about squatters um, that live on the not so friendly side of the wall, but still choose to be anarchist punk rockers. And it's about kind of when they're kids, they do some pretty subversive stuff and they go to blow up an empty building that's owned by a real estate company Mm -hmm. to make make a symbol and their bomb doesn't work. But 20 years later, someone goes to sell that building and it explodes. And then all these all these former youth anarchists find each other and um basically are like shit our bomb went off what do we do and they basically have to reform their little group to cover their asses and that's like how the movie starts it's like a weird version of it yeah they basically they basically have to become like two of the guys are still squatter anarchists like in their 40s but the Mm -hmm. rest of them have all become family people or own businesses or something so it's it's pretty cool they all have to get the gang back together and be like what do we do now oh wow what's it called again what to do in case of fire Okay. Uh, or, or or like Voss ist Brent. I can't remember the. It's a subtitles movie. Gotcha. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Um, Ed, any media you want to recommend? Um, I'm going to recommend Mona Lisa Overdrive. Is that the sequel uh, to Mona Lisa's Smile? No. Um, it's it's part of the uh, original trilogy uh, written by William Gibson, going back to cyberpunk. Hmm. Um, the first book is count zero, uh, Mona Lisa overdrive is the third one, uh, or actually count zero. Anyway, it's William Gibson, Mona Lisa overdrive and, um, the future that he envisioned mm-hmm. and he wrote it was heavily influenced by the, uh, the things that punks were saying about what was going on in America at the time he was writing it so that's pretty cool yeah highly highly recommended um he 
manages to kind of skirt the idea of the internet without actually having the internet. Nice. Mm. Uh, <laughs> because nobody nobody saw what the internet was actually going to look like. But oh my uh, goodness. No, just... <laughs> yeah so it's 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 coded in z rust uh it's it's you know the future as envisioned you know 40 years ago right it's but, like uh, epcot is what people in the 70s thought the 2000s would look yes, like yeah precisely yeah uh but still it's an amazing book and highly highly recommend so nice. that's that's my recommendation this time how about you well, uh, I'm going to recommend two. Uh, they're they're on widely different paths. One is called Police Brutality and White Supremacy: The Fight Against African Traditions or Against American Traditions, mm. by Eaton Thomas. Um, he'd also written We Matter: uh, Athletes and Activism, which is a really good book. He himself was the center for the Washington Wizards for a while, okay. and uh, after he retired, he became a poet. Um, and he wrote a really compelling book, and and I strongly recommend people pick up his sophomore. Uh, sophomore book, um, which, uh, again, police brutality and white supremacy, the fight against American tradition. Uh, the other one I'm going to. Yeah. Oh, I just said that sounds cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. He, he he does a great job of interviewing people and really pulling people in for his interviews and then pulling things out of them that are like really, really just get right to the core of the issue. Nice. Um, you know, in the last one, he interviewed the daughter, uh, and she's now dead, unfortunately, but he interviewed the daughter of Eric Garner, uh, the fellow oh. out on Staten Island that the police killed. Um, and just, you know, really what it did to America culture and stuff like that. And he's interviewing his daughter uh, about it. Um, the other one is much more of a lark. It's called Slaying the Dragon, A Secret History of Dungeons and Dragons by Ben, uh, Brent, Ben Riggs. Um, it will it's it's not going to paint Gary Gygax in a good light. <laughs> um, I which, am here for it. Yes. Uh, which is it's cool. It's it's the history of it's a, it's called, you know, it's the secret history of Dungeons and Dragons. Right. So it's an unauthorized biography, essentially. And um, yeah, he, he tells the story about ultimately uh, a, about the beginnings of D&D. Um, and, what's what's uh, Gygax's nice. problem? Is he like a racist or a homophobe or something? Or um, yes, yes, yes. Okay. amongst <laughs> amongst other things. So he's he's generally one of those kind of dickheads. Yeah. yeah. Well, he started as a <laughs> war. Much, game, like yeah. the the elevator pitch. He started as a war gamer and was like, man, it'd be cool if these people had internal stories. But the kind of people who are war gamers are of a certain mindset. And he was a war gamer from Ohio, and. <laughs> Then it just it, it yeah. Uh, yeah collected a lot of war memorabilia maybe yeah mm. <laughs> <laughs> but um my dad played war games with him because my dad was into war gaming as well and it's a certain kind of personality um and and you know shading of this side and shading of that side and he said that Gygax was it was a very annoying person to play against which all tracks um but we did an episode or, or two episodes actually on uh. Dungeons and Dragons uh, fighters at ninth level and Jeffersonian democracy. Ed did an incredible job. Um, it's a lot of fun. It's somewhere down in the twenties of our episode. So feel free yeah. to check it out. It's um, all colonialism all the way down. I need to listen to yeah. more of these. Yeah. I would yeah. be remiss if we talked about anarchism and I didn't say, tell people to read the monkey wrench gang. And that's the last thing I'll tell people to do. Okay. Oh yeah. Cool. Yeah. 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 It's by so Edward actually, Abbey. It's a great. Yeah. Um, all right. By, by who? Edward Abbey. Okay. Um, uh, I have not read people, it. So. These people uh, decide to get together and abandon society, and they go live in the woods, 
and commit acts of eco-terrorism and stay on the run, basically. They like okay. blow up bridges and chemical manufacturing plants and run from the police and that they make that their lives. That's gotcha. like the book is their adventure running from the authorities and sabotaging oh, wow. what they think damages the environment. When was that written? All right. I want to say in the 60s, 70s, okay. it, it helped it helped trigger the Earth Liberation Movement. I was so going to say that it sounded the ELA. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, cool. All right. It has real recipes for thermite and explosives in it, too. Like not watered down. <laughs> fictional book shit oh, like shit. you can you can make bombs out of this novel it's very it's uh it's not smiled upon by the authorities which is why i read it sure well sure. yeah i mean that tracks so <laughs> all right uh all right, i feel well, like i keep cool. hijacking this conversation no, no you're, you're the know. guest it's you're kind the of guest. <laughs> that's the point um well where can people ed we'll start with you we'll go to me and we'll end with jason so he can play okay the album one more sounds time. good where can people find you ed uh, well, to, if you want, I am. Found. Yeah. If, if they, if they really want to try to find me, um, on Twitter, uh, before it descends into a ball of some shade of blue flame, um, I am cat fetcher. Um, and then on TikTok, uh, I am Mr. Underscore Blaylock. And then we collectively, of course, are still on Twitter as geek history time. Our website is www.geekhistorytime.com. And uh, you have already found us. If you are listening to us, you found us somewhere. So on whichever service uh, you did find us, I ask uh, that you please subscribe and give us the five-star review that you know we deserve. Um, and that's us collectively and you, Mr. Harmony, individually. Uh, yeah, well, let's see. By the time this drops, I think, well, I'll go ahead and plug it just in case. If you're in the Sacramento area, come to the January 6th uh, Capital Punishment at Luna's, 8 p.m. Bring $10 and proof of vaccination. Um, if this drops after that, then come to Henry's Bar uh, in Sacramento on February 3rd. Uh, same rules, same price. So uh, 10 bucks, proof of vaccination. Um, and come check it out. We're going to be punning pretty dang hard both of those times. And that's that's about oh, all you fuck need. Fuck, I'm going to pun. <laughs> what? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that's where you can find me uh, for now. Uh, Jason, where can people find you or what you've done and what you do? Um, what I do, what I the most recent thing I've done, you can find uh, on SoundCloud. Uh, SoundCloud.com slash human debris, human with a Y. Um, it's just loud, aggressive punk music. Um, I'm not much, uh, you know, I haven't done like a stand-up show in over a year. Yeah. So I haven't been doing much of that. I would, I don't even think I can say I'm a comedian anymore. I'm not sure. Yeah. But for the pun show, I, I don't, it's just not worth going out right now. Yeah. Like, what, what could I bring home? Not money. Uh, yeah. Uh, maybe disease. So. Exposure mm, to, yeah. Yeah, to a virus. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we pay you an exposure. We told you so. But yeah, go check out his SoundCloud album. Um, yeah. So that'd be great. Isn't it right. cool to live in a time where we can say good news? It's a productive cough. What oh, a world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sad. Uh, well, besides that, thanks for everything. <laughs> but it's, it's been a lot of fun having you on, man. It's it's yeah. uh, it's good fun learning about uh, something that neither of us know anything about. So thank yeah. you for that. Yeah. Um, doing this has encouraged me to want to listen to more of these so that's cool nice Yay. So, Yay. um get up to you've, a dozen you've earned a, a fan Yay. <laughs> so cool 
Well, for uh, Geek History of Time, I thank you again, Jason B. Uh, and I'm Damian Harmony. And I'm Ed Blaylock. And until next time, keep rolling 20s.